0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw podcast. I am Randy. Before I get to today's interview, I want to thank Herbal Active CBD for sponsoring the Trap Draw. Herbal Active is a high-performance brand of CBD-infused products specifically developed for those striving to live an active and healthy lifestyle lifestyle. They have a number of different products on their website. You can go to herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com, and check them all out. I know um, the drops are the most popular among the No Laying Up crew, whether in the morning uh, or in the evening, Tron and Neil and DJ to a man say they they are all sleeping much better. So the the drops are just one of their products. They have balm. uh, They have mints. They have gum. uh, A a number of different products you can check out for yourself. So head on over to HerbalActive.com. Again, that's U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. And be sure to use the promo code TRAPDRAW20 at checkout to receive 20% off your order. That's TRAPDRAW20 at checkout. Uh, Herbal Active is a great partner for us, and we thank them very much for their sponsorship. Now on uh, to today's guest.
1: Night. i damn near went crazy i had to get it right, right. now i'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper hey, hey. now i'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper <laughs> the absolute truth yeah no I the
0: crack. oh mr jeezy thank you i have a a really excellent interview today my guest is le caribbe abe she is a professional golfer currently on the symmetra tour She turned pro in 2018 upon finishing a Sterling amateur career at the University of Alabama. Uh, She was a four-year letter winner. She was on the SEC all-freshman team. She made multiple all-SEC teams throughout her career. Uh, She's actually the school record holder for lowest round in women's golf uh, history at Alabama, which I'll ask her about. She fired a 63, uh, but going beyond that i think uh le caribbe is an important person to talk to and and somebody i i really was looking forward to talking to because uh as the daughter of ugandan american parents her story and her background and her path into golf uh, is a is a bit unique um not only on the lpga tour but certainly in professional golf uh So we we get into her journey, uh, how she got into the game. And then we also uh, speak openly. Uh, She shares thoughts on, you know, in relation to the wider conversation happening right now about racial equality and justice. Um, I ask her about her experiences and you know, what, what she's found in her golf career and get her thoughts on that. So I I think, I can't thank her enough. I think LeCariby brings obviously a perspective that we at No Laying Up just don't possess, right? Um, And I think it is vital and will continue to be vital that, you know, we elevate and, use our platform to share stories, uh, such as La Caribbean. So, um, without further ado, I will get out of the way and I hope you enjoy my conversation with the Abe. Uh, so glad to have you. How are, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to get the chance to speak with you. Um, I've got a big fan, I guess of no laying up, especially over the past couple months since I've had time to really listen to podcasts. So I'm excited.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, l- let me start there. What what <laughs> what have these last couple months been like for you? I know, um, just speaking to some other folks in the golf world, uh, it-, it must be pretty strange. I- I'm trying to imagine. Have you ever gone this long without playing competitively?
1: Uh, I have. I have not. I guess not for not really cause on my part. No. So I've had like. Injuries and stuff, so I kind of had to step away, but just not being able to play, and it's been everybody not being able to play, no.
0: What's your practice schedule been like? Uh, how, did, how did you approach this uh, involuntary layoff?
1: Um, When we first got the news, I kind of just took a break. I mean, it was it's really hard, I think, sometimes to practice at a, at a certain level if you don't have anything to look forward to. So it's been... Very weird because I feel like even in the off season, you're working towards starting the season, whereas like this, it was like working towards you didn't know when you were going to start. So it's been different. I haven't – I didn't practice as much even going back. And then the last probably month I've gotten back into like going to the golf course and really trying to practice more and kind of get going.
0: Yeah. Uh, for for folks that and the, for folks that might not have seen you play, um, and, and if if the name does sound familiar, I do want to say and and I want to get into it in more detail. But um, you were part of the University of Alabama team that competed at the NCAA Women's Golf Championships, and so um, I watching the NCAA Championships each year on on Golf Channel is no joke m- among my maybe. Top three, four golf events each year, um, and you know the the year you guys battled against Arizona in the team finals was unbelievable. Um, some of the most dramatic, riveting uh, golf that really was on television that year, and and that anybody could ask for. So. Um, Uh, if, if people are trying to, you know, where, you know, where, where have I seen you play before? I think hopefully, hopefully uh, that's where people have seen you, but right now you're on the Symmetra tour just to give a sense. I would love to hear in your words, like just describe your game. You know, what, what are the strengths of your golf game? And also, you know, what, what are things that you're working on or or you think that uh, need most improved right now in your golf game?
1: I think my irons, um, wedges are pretty strong. Those are definitely what I would consider the strongest part. My driver and my putting have improved a lot, I think, over the past two, three years. Um, and then just, I guess, like everybody else, I'm always trying to just get sharper around the greens. Um, especially after turning pro, I felt like, Every week it's a different grass. So around the greens, one week we might have a ton of rough. grass. Next week it might be a lot of greens and things like that. So I've focused a lot on just sharpening up my shots and being better at deciding what shots to play around the green.
0: Um, you – correct me if I'm wrong, but you got one start – was there one Symmetra Tour event this year prior to – going into the COVID shutdown is that correct yes okay and if I'm not mistaken you finished tied for third in that event which I believe is your best finish to date on the Symmetra Tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) I imagine that's pretty frustrating right coming off uh, you know a great start to the season your, your best finish um Was there any like, oh man, really? Like, uh, we really have to shut it down right now. How how did you fight that? You know, I imagine there was a lot of frustration um, just having to, you know, take this long layoff on the heels of what was a a fantastic start to 2020 for you. Yeah, I think definitely there
1: was a little bit just because I felt like, my game was in a good place and then obviously starting well which is a goal just to start the season well and continue that momentum but I guess now I'm trying to look at as at least I started well so I have a good standing point when we do get started again and um, I've had one good tournament under my belt so obviously that helps with confidence and stuff so I'm trying to look at it more as glass half full glass top empty and just be happy that I did get one good tournament under my belt, felt good to play good and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well if you don't mind, I would love to kinda of go all the way back to the start and hear about how you got into golf and, and your journey, you know, finding the game of golf and, you know, obviously from beginner uh up until today a a professional golfer um do you mind i i I guess my first question for you uh how what was your introduction to the game of golf
1: um so my dad played a lot when we were younger and i guess he would go to the course but we had no like i have an older sister um and an older brother, but it was mainly my older sister and I who would go, and we just had no interest really in playing golf. We just kind of go, and it would just be the time where my dad had to, quote unquote, take care of us. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe when I was nine, and my sister was 11, my dad, for whatever reason, decided to take my sister to the first tee, And I did not go with them. And I think I just always wanted to do what my sister was doing. So I was just like, oh, I want to go with them. I want to go with them, whenever they would go. So maybe three, four weeks later, they finally let me go. Um, and that's how we got introduced. So we just, or well, that's when we started playing, I guess. We would just go play um, at the first tee. we would do the classes. Um, the chapter of the first I we were going to was First tee FM Law Park, um, which I think now is part of Greater Houston. And they would have competitions like every once a month, every weekend, something like that. Every two weekends, Um, so it's kind of where we first got like our taste of competitive golf, but also just really playing in general. Um, That's how we got, or I, yeah, this is how we got started um, into it.
0: Were you into a lot of sports at that time? Were you pretty athletically minded and, and oriented?
1: Um, yeah, for the most part. So I did um, tennis. We were do, playing competitive tennis. And then I know, I don't know, I think most people don't consider it as a sport. We were doing competitive dance as well. I think I did that for almost eight years, seven, eight years. And then tennis about the same amount of time. And then we started playing golf.
0: What do you think it was about golf that that really um, grabbed hold of you?
1: Um, I think so. For me, tennis. I never liked running. Um, So, like, to get there and then warm up, run, and then run around the court, and then cool down, run. I was like, this isn't. I don't think this is for me. (laughs) And then. Um, one time we like, I don't know if you know, the like lobster machines that shoot the balls at you. Yeah. Yeah. And we rented one and it was like the middle of the summer in Texas. And I just remember being out there. And like, at that point I just knew, I was like, this is not anything that I want to continue. I'm not enjoying this. My feet are burning. And so at that point I was just like, even though i like tennis it's not something that i can just really put a ton of time and effort into because this is not fun for me and then i think that was like when i was like 11 or 12 and then dance is just it's so subjective um i mean you go and there's judges and there's not even a clear idea of what they judge you on so I remember one time my dad just sat my sister and I both down and kind of explained that to us. And I think at that point for, for us, it was like, okay, so dance is fun. It's not something that you really, even if you do everything you can do, there's no guarantee this happens. X, Y, or Z happens. So with so golf, it was like, I can work hard. I can do what I want to do. I can see results and I control not all of like what happens, but a good part I can control.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that makes that. Yeah, I totally get that. I was laughing too, you know, talking about running. I have such a love hate relationship with running. I I like to joke that the people who just enjoy running for the sake of running, it's just such a Foreign mindset for me. I, you know, every sport I played growing up, and it sounds like tennis too. Like the the punishment right was always running, yeah. <laughs> and so I think it ingrains this like natural uh, almost hatred of of having to run. Um, but obviously, it is it is a good workout. And I love how I feel after I run. It's just oh man, it's <laughs> it's it's a process uh, of
1: getting there. Is just
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's I.
1: It, I, I sorry what.
0: No, I was just, I was agreeing. It, it, that's exactly right. Like the process, like the, the, even just mentally too, like making myself like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go for a run and like, it just like getting through it. Um, it, it usually is worth it on the other side, but man, it's, it's exhaustive both physically and mentally for me at least.
1: Yeah, no, same. I even, I remember even when I got to college, I was like, I'm just going to ask some of the cross country girls cause they're always running. And I'd be like, so you love it. Right. i like, Oh, I mean, not really. I feel great. And like really <laughs> accomplished afterwards. And I was like, that makes me feel so much better.
0: <laughs> well that, yeah, that, that makes me feel better. Maybe they don't even like it. Uh, they're, right? ju- they're just able to make themselves do it easier than I am. Um, exactly. uh, well I wanted to, I, I think what is really, um, Integral to your story is your Ugandan heritage. And I was curious, did your parents, uh, were your parents born in Uganda?
1: Yes. So they're both from Uganda, born there. And they came in, I don't know the exact year. But they basically, they came during the war um, separately. So my mom, is they're from different parts. And they came during the war to come to school um, and met here in six.
0: Okay, and so I imagine, do you still have a lot of family that lives there or in other parts uh, of Africa?
1: Um, So I have some, not very much in Kenya and Uganda, but so um, most of them left as refugees, and so they were put either in the U.S., placed in the U.S. or the U.K., so most of my family lives there now, um, actually.
0: Okay, all right. Can I ask you about your dad? Because you you said, and I've read, um, you know, doing doing a bit of research uh, prior to talking to you that you know he was he is a, a very good golfer, single digit. Um, did he pick up the game in Uganda, or was that something that he picked up uh, after coming to the United States?
1: Um, so he picked it up in the states, and I guess the story that I've heard is my. Um, my dad played soccer, um, in college and like, even when he was done and he moved, um, Texas to work, I guess he was still playing in like little leagues that they have for adults or something. I don't, I don't quite understand that part, but, uh, my mom basically was like, need to find a different hobby. Um, I don't know what it's going to be, but just like find something else to do. <laughs> yeah. Than soccer. So he found golf and that is how it came to be from what I understand.
0: Okay, all right. Um, because I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I think, like, I, I, to me, your father and, like, that represents everything that I think people hope and know that golf can be, right? Like, it, it should be. I, I think what I, um, you know, I, I think one of the things we, you know, talking, I guess for no laying up and, but myself specifically, um, golf doesn't always look like it's not always representative of the rest of society. Um, but, but there's no reason, there's really no reason why it it can't. And so I, I just think your, your father is, is such a awesome representation of everything golf can be right. Not only him picking up the game and, and learning and, you know, obviously becoming a, a very good golfer, but then passing that on to, you know, you and your sister, um, it, it, it can be such a powerful tool. Uh, I, has he ever talked? was was it difficult for him at all or, or was, you know, was getting into golf uh, challenging? Were there challenges for him, do you know?
1: You know, I really don't. That's probably a question and a conversation that I think, you um, we should have like I should have with him um but I really don't know the extent that I do know is that he um has a ton of like you know the old golf videos and the books and stuff and he (laughs) kind of kind of how he taught himself and then um there used to be a driving range where we lived and he would go there but I don't know a lot about how he got into it and what it was like at all to be honest
0: Hmm. Uh, uh, so picking back up on, on your story, obviously you uh, were introduced through him, and the first tee played a big part for you. Uh, wh- when did golf go from hobby and something fun that you did to something more serious and competitive?
1: Um, I think competitive. I was I I was always pretty competitive because like it was fun to compete against my sister. And we would have competitions, um, at the first tee. But I think really seriously, um, when I was like, 12, well, we went to USGS from the time I was 10, but I think when I was 12, it like really hit home to me, um, how serious golf was and how serious I kind of wanted to take it, um, how serious I was going to be and then when I was 13 I think I picked golf so until then I had played other things and other things but when I was 13 I was like I'm gonna put a lot of my effort into golf and see how good I can be and work really hard um and then too I think it became a realization that it was something I could play in college um and get to a school that in that way
0: yeah, and that's what I was going to ask, too, was, uh, you know, how I'm, I'm always fascinated with—I I love to ask professional golfers, what was your learning curve, right, from—I, I, 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 you know, I can think of my own—I I, shot—I took up golf, fairly young age, but, you know, never played— all that seriously. And so I was, you know, bogey golf and shooting in the 90s. And I can remember, you know, it took me a while to, to break 90. Um, and then years later, like, oh, my gosh, I, I, I broke 80. But I, I, I'm i always fascinated with how quickly uh, people who go on to play professionally. Like like what was just your, your scoring ability from the time, you know, you, you started playing fairly consistently like do you remember the the milestones uh even like breaking 80 or or breaking par for the first time what what was that kind of curve like for you
1: i remember i think i broke 80 like two or three years after i started playing
0: (laughs) that's what i'm talking about i i like that's such a that's that's awesome
1: i i remember too because i i like Choked the whole way in. I was so nervous, (laughs) and I made like double the last hole and barely broke eighty, I think, or something crazy. And then I don't remember. I can't even think the first time I broke par. To be honest, I think I think I was (laughs) twelve. I think we were playing U.S. kids. Okay, Um, and I think that's the first time.
0: So you. You probably weren't. Do you remember being as nervous, like trying to break par, as you were maybe trying to break eighty?
1: No, because I think I just wanted like a seven in front of the like of the first numbers, like so badly when I broke eighty. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't. I think the first time you break par, you kind of black out. To be honest, like you just really have no sense of what's going on.
0: Hmm. Uh, well, one of my. Neil, uh, one of my associates here I work with, uh, we we do a travel series and the the big thrust of it is, you know, oh gosh, one on one of these trips, one of these days, one of us will will break par and he's been close. I was I don't know, It's a little close. I was one over on the 16th tee and we've, we've both just crashed and burned spectacularly uh, in our efforts thus far. So um, maybe one day we, we, we have to figure, we haven't learned how to just black out and not think about it yet, but maybe one day.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know what happens. I feel like even the days you like when you shoot like your lowest round ever, it's kind of like, I don't know, something just, happens and everything clicks and then you do it and then it takes after you do it it's like it takes another I don't know couple months to a year or something to do it again it just like it's like the whole one step forward two steps back no two steps forward one step back Mm -hmm. how
0: how often throughout a year a, a given year do you feel that and not obviously not specific to breaking par but but how often in a given year do you feel that like total relaxation, um, where everything just kind of clicks, right? I, I don't know whether, you know, we can call it being in the zone or uh, being in flow. Uh, d- does that come to you somewhat regularly, or do you find it's more of a you're constantly fighting yourself and just trying to manage misses and, and essentially make the best score possible despite, uh, you know, despite how your swing may feel?
1: Um, I, I think... Especially now after, like, playing for um, a year and a half on Sumetra, I think that I, um, if I feel rested and I'm not tired, it's kind of a more calm, laid-back approach in the sense that I'm not, like, worried about, like, what's happening or, like, where my game is or, like, what my swing feels like. But if I'm tired, it, it feels like I'm fighting things, I think. But I think that's kind of natural in a sense. Mm -hmm. because my like at least for me i think my swing kind of falls off a little bit um the longer i'm on the road or just the less rested i feel um and i think my mental game drops significantly as well so it just can kind of become a little messy per se
0: Mm -hmm. no that 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 certainly makes sense um so weaving back into your story, uh obviously, you know, you you became uh an excellent golfer um pretty quickly, uh right, like two years you were you were breaking par, which is it continues to blow my mind. Um and, and when you did think about starting to play collegiate golf or having that possibility, um how I, I want to ask you, you know, how you ended up at the University of Alabama, and what kind of considerations went into your decision on where to go to school, and you know, maybe other places you were looking, uh, but but what in the end, what what took you to uh, Tuscaloosa?
1: Um. So I didn't really have like a good idea of schools that were out there. Like when I first started looking, I mean, we're from originally from a small town in Texas. So, like everybody goes to Texas, or Texas And i so, like, to me, those are the two schools. Um, and then I don't even really know, like at a certain point, obviously I learned about like your Duke and your UCLA's and, um, Oklahoma States and like the big golf schools, like USC and stuff. And I, I don't remember how I found out or like came across Alabama. I, I think I was just like looking at a list and I was like, Oh, cool. And then I saw, um, Nick at a tournament and I was like oh that's cool but I don't remember the jump from wanting like to like really understanding that I wanted to go there um but I remember I emailed them and I was going to be in Alabama for a tournament so I went I wanted to visit and I don't know have you ever been to Cup
0: I have not no I I have never been to that campus
1: so it's like a very Everything is well manicured. All the buildings are uniform. Um, maybe like your typical like southern campus um, which is different than what I'd seen before. I like really loved the campus. It was clean. Um, it was just kind of my, I guess, maybe, I don't know. I just really liked the campus. Um, and then I met Nick and Sue and for people that don't know, Mick is a very quiet guy, but he also never speaks um, on things, I guess, like he hasn't thought about. And he's very direct about what he's telling you um, and very honest, which I really liked. Um, and so I guess from that point on, it was just like my dream to go to Alabama and they won nationals. So for me, it was like a realization that I had to be really, really good um, to get on that team. Uh, so I practiced and I worked a ton because I was like, "If they're this good, I have a lot of like I have a lot of room and ground to make up." So I did everything I could. I felt like to at least have the chance to go there. Um, and then. I got lucky enough and they offered me a scholarship. But, I mean, it was mainly – I had my sister who was two years older, so she would hear – she was in school before I decided, and she would hear, like, stories about coaches and, like, give me advice on where she thought would be a good place to land. And she never heard anything bad about Mick or Sue. Um, And I think, too, the thing I said about Mick being really honest, um, the first day he could call me – uh he's so funny he it was like after a tournament and he called me and it was like a really nice phone call um and then he was like well you know I watched you um play this week and I just think that you really need to work on your chipping like it just really like your simple chips need a lot of work I watched you like send one over the green he's like that's unacceptable and I tell that story to people sometimes and they're like horrified but for me it was like reassurance that he would always hold me accountable when I was there and like if he would do it when I wasn't even on the team yet and I don't even think I had decided to go there mm-hmm. yeah if I'm correct um so yeah just I think going to Alabama obviously the football team was good the golf team was really good they support all their sports um in a way that I didn't necessarily see at other schools um and then having Nick and choose there as uh, two coaches who I knew wanted the best for me and were going to work towards whatever goals I, help me work towards whatever goals I set for myself, um, and always be honest, I thought it was important.
0: Was it hard to, not hard, maybe isn't the right word, but, um, I have to think. Was your sister on the the Texas women's golf team? I, I, was was that a possibility, or maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't have scholarships and and weren't recruiting you? But did you ever have thought to join her and you know be together at, at UT?
1: Um, I think it was like a passing thought. Um, but I also one, didn't. Love Austin and like the course was far um, farther than I wanted it to see, and I was like, we I'm only two years younger, so we've been in the same space um, our whole life. So I thought it was important that both of us kind of get space to grow ourselves and do our own thing. And I felt as a little sister, I could respect that and like not have to make her make that decision for me. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think that's not the the easier decision, but certainly speaks to a, a maturity and, you know, wisdom that at that age, I don't think a lot of people probably possess that, that perspective.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely think like, oh, I would be so cool. But then I'm like, we spent so long being like so and so sister that, yeah, it would have been fun, but... Especially for myself, I don't think that I would just have grown into the person that I am because I think I would have still been so like, dependent on her being my older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was probably even still more beneficial for me because I couldn't hide under her wing for two years of my college career. So I had to learn how to like, do things on my own and grow on my own and like figure things out.
0: Yeah. Well, it... Uh... How was that transition into college? Because just from, you know, a, a, a results standpoint, um, you know, you made the SEC all-freshman team. Uh, was, it, was it a difficult, I, I'm you know, of, of course it's, it's an adjustment, but did you find it to be a difficult adjustment going from, you know, high school into college? And then on top of that, everything with golf and practice and uh, what was that um, adjustment like for you?
1: So I had actually gone. Um, I, what's it called? I was a commuter, so I didn't necessarily live um, at the Golf Academy, but I went to Golf Academy in Dallas for um, three years um, and did online school. So being away from home wasn't tough. The golf was false. Um, but I always joke, um, the first semester of freshman year was so easy because I only really knew my roommates and like my teammates so I was just making friends I didn't really have friends um so I was like pretty on schedule with everything never really did anything and just kind of like because golf starts I think in September I think we played our first event I didn't really have time to do anything and then you have your Month and a half of off season um, in the fall, and I made friends. And then it was like, (laughs) then I think the spring semester just time management became harder because I had friends now, and I had like access to other opportunities, um, other things I wanted to do. So I think the first semester was definitely easier than the second. That makes
0: sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. The, I, the, uh, my, I'm just thinking back to my own experience. Uh, my second semester, my freshman year was so much worse than my, just from a GPA standpoint was, just, was so much worse than my first semester. And I think for, for a lot of those reasons that, that you mentioned, um, well, you, you enjoyed, uh, a really excellent uh, I mean, Sterling' career throughout your your four years at at Alabama, um, you know, all SEC teams. Uh, I are you still the school record holder for low round? You shot a sixty three. Is do you know? Is that still the school record?
1: I don't know. Actually,
0: <laughs> I, I didn't know if you. I didn't know if you. You know, protected that one fiercely or not. Um, I know that it's
1: there, but I really, I. We had so many girls come through, like, when I was there, and then they were still there when I left. I really have no idea.
0: No, that's... I don't
1: think so. I don't think anybody's shot 10-under, so I I think it's fine, but...
0: I, I one day dream to be as nonchalant about you know school records or or course records as <laughs> as you can be. Um, I'm I'm teasing you a little bit. Uh, I I did want to ask. So your your senior year 2018, um, the spring of 2018 was the NCAA. You guys as a team advanced to the NCAA championship and were um, in in the final match play. Uh, we're matched up against Arizona, and uh, it was it was two to two, and it was yourself against Haley Moore was the deciding match for, for the NCAA team championship. Did you talk to me about? Um, did you feel what were your feelings in in that moment when when you kind of learned that you know it it was down to your match? Do you remember? Do you remember much from from that afternoon?
1: It's so funny because I actually remember, so I, like, we played a mass play tournament in Georgia, like, my whole career, and I think that I always went out last. So when we got the pairings, I went out last, and, like, we always basically played the same order um, as a team. And I remember even, like, when they announced, like, me playing Haley as the final match, I was like, I just had this odd feeling that it's going to come down to my math. And, like, the whole morning, the next day, I was like, I feel like it's going to come down to my match. Um, and then we were playing, and we got to hole number nine on the scoreboard, and I think at that point it was, I think we were only, I don't know if it was tied or no, I was losing my match, it was three to two, and I was like, okay. I had a good idea, like, at that point I was like, okay, it's really going to come down to my match. Um so it was just a weird space because it was like match play. is so weird in the sense that you just waving, riding like the highs and lows. Um, so I wasn't surprised when it was like you we were the last group on the course. Um, but I don't know. It's definitely, it's definitely a different experience. I don't know if I, I don't know if that answers your question at all.
0: No, it, it does. I, I'm more, I think what I'm, fishing for is did did you feel and especially like uh standing on 18T for instance like do do you feel that pressure in the moment or is that you know you're, you're so invested and so uh, focus that you don't really have space to think about the larger ramifications, right? Like, you're, you're just trying to win that hole and flip your match. You're not... I, I'm curious whether you're weighing the the fuller uh, consequences in, in that moment. Do, do you remember, you know, were you more nervous standing on 18 or was it, you know, kind of like other matches? It just happened to be uh, in in this, in, in that moment?
1: Um, I think on, it's on 18. I was pretty like, well, it is what it is. So I, I like to, at some point, I don't need to know all day. I feel like, but at some point close to the end of the round or like of a match, I kind of like to know where things stand and like what I need to do. So standing on the tee box on 18, it was kind of just like, well, um, I had just lost 17, so it was like, I walked off 17 green and was like, well, you have to birdie your eagle because Haley's just as long as you are. Um, so 18 is reachable, so you're going to have to do something here. Um, try to birdie, so at least he has to birdie. So, um, yeah, I didn't really feel, like, too, too much pressure. It was kind of just, okay, you need to do this. You need to hit your, try to hit your driver here, and then you need to hit your next shot here. And then, um, yeah, go so from there. It wasn't really. I think I probably felt more pressure on the first hole than I did on eighteen. Actually, which is funny.
0: Yeah. No. I. I that that really makes that that makes sense. And and for folks that don't know, we're kind of alluding to it. Uh, in in the championship deciding match, you get to eighteen, you're one down, uh, and you do make birdie, um, and so you you square the match and go to a playoff. Um, I think what was as, as just a impartial viewer, right. As someone such as myself, what, what I really enjoyed about, uh, that moment that you and Haley provided was it, it was good golf, right? Like I, I think, and, and I, I guess this is a question for you, um, you know, you guys both had birdie putts on on the first playoff hole. Um, You did not make yours. She made yours, but – or she made hers. uh, But it's not – I I have to imagine you don't feel like you lost as much as maybe, you know, she just – she won it. Is that that somewhat accurate?
1: Yeah, no, it does. I think, like – and talking to my, like, when I, I was obviously, like, disappointed because it, like, came down to me. But I think sometimes, like, we focus on that one thing. Um, like, I missed the putt. You're going to miss a putt. It came at the wrong time. But um, that shouldn't take away from, like, Haley's performance in that moment. Um, because at the end of the day, she still had to step up and, like, hit that putt and make it. So, um, yeah, I mean... I will always give credit where credit's due and I think for her yeah she stepped up she made the putt and she won and like I'd always rather lose to a birdie than any like a par or anything else so I I really it's like I don't know it's things, but I mean that's golf I guess in the
0: mhm so do you as you get into your professional career uh you you turn pro then um those NCAs were in the spring of 2018, uh, so you turn pro thereafter. Uh, so this would be really 2020 um, is, and you know, should have been your second full year uh, as on the Symmetra Tour and as a professional. As you look ahead, what are, if if you don't mind me asking, uh, what are the goals you have uh, professionally in the game of golf?
1: Um, so I guess at the beginning of this year, um, I just had set like goals for the season and one of them obviously was to, um, get my card. Um, I don't know how that, we'll see how like everything kind of shakes out like what happens and like, if everything falls into place or there's even a chance that I get status. Um, so obviously that's still a goal, but I, this year I had made a lot of goals just to be more intentional like when I'm practicing and on the golf course so um doing a better job of practicing with a goal in mind or with what I'm working on so if I'm doing a drill really understanding why I'm doing it um but where I need to be in my golf swing to get like to do certain things um and just to like be more aware of where I want my golf game to be. Uh, I guess for me, it's the realization that the margins are so small now. So it's not really going out and doing these drastic things every day, but it's just being really focused on um, every little detail. Um, And I tried, I really tried to do it throughout my life this year. So um, reading more, eating better, I made, like, going back to running, I made some running goals um, just to get myself out running because I know that I wouldn't do it if I didn't. Um, so, I guess, for the year, that was that. Um, and then, long-term, I feel like those kind of got switched around, too, because we don't know what happens is this season, next season. Um, so, yeah, still trying to, like, just think of it as one day at a time at this
0: point and not look too far ahead. Mm Uh, I, I want to don't remind, I I really want to ask you, um, you know, kind of off course what what you're reading and, and what you're getting into that way. Uh, but kind of keeping it golf specific for right now uh, in, in again, kind of doing some prep, uh, to talk to you. I came across, uh, a post on uh, the African American Golfers Digest, and the headline was Lakarbi Abba, lone black golfer competes in 2017 NCAA Women's Golf Championships." Are, are you so used to being perhaps the the only you know black golfer in, in these competitions, or is that something? How how conscious are you of that? And is that something that you've just learned to, well, this is just the the way it is? Um, I'm just trying to get your perspective on that because, you know, for myself, I I have no – I don't know what that feels like. And um, this is kind of an awkward way to ask this question, but is that something that weighs on you or is it just – are you – Unfortunately, just kind of used to that being the case at at this point. It, it, you know, most most tournaments that you compete in.
1: Um. So it's really funny, actually, because obviously, I mean, there's a small small number of us, but so within Texas, there was um, these two girls, Mariah Mariana Sims and Sierra Sims, and Sierra still plays actually. And then my sister and I. So. I was in, like, the space of high-level golf in Texas. So, um, growing up, we played a lot of the same tournaments. and Obviously, I was always in terms of my sister. So, I think it was something that, A, I probably wasn't as attuned to. And, B, seeing them, it didn't seem like, oh, you're the only one. Um, And then when uh, I went to college, and, like, just when you play start playing outside of Texas, You had um, Mariah Stackhouse, Sims, my sister, um, that were playing. So there was all, I think that's five, and then you have the few that are older than us. You have, like, Cheyenne Woods, um, this girl, Sedina, and Shasta that played on LPGA a little bit. Um, So it was never something that I was aware of until they're all older than me, and they basically left in the space of, like, college golf and amateur golf. And then it was like, oh, it's just me out here. And I became aware of it. Um, But I've never felt pressure from it. Um, But it's something that I've recognized, I guess. Um, And I think the only, it never feels like it's a tough space to maneuver around. I don't
0: know if I said that correctly, but no,
1: I I think that. I guess I was just never aware until it was like I was the last mm -hmm. one in college. Really,
0: have you? uh, This is somewhat of a difficult question, perhaps, but have you experienced uh, racism on you know related uh, at a golf course or anything in the golf world? And either explicitly or implicitly?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in school, we had a bit of an incident at um, a tournament. And I think it was a shock to me and my coaches because, like, I guess for me, like, obviously I know it's there. Um, but it's, always shocking when people are bold pretty bold about it or just like unapologetic about it Um, and then I think for my coaches it was just shocking that it maybe still happens or that it would happen Um, especially in a space where you feel like people should know better Um, but yeah I guess that's what I could say
0: was there much of a dialogue, um, or, I, you know, what in in the immediate aftermath? I, do you do you feel like was it eye opening for your teammates and, and coaches?
1: Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I want to clarify that this did not happen with like anyone within my own team. So. Um, They've always been so supportive and so understanding. But I do think that it was, like, uh, even for me, like, just who it came from, I think it was just, like, shocking and a space where it's, like, it shows people that, I don't know, maybe it's not always, I don't I, it definitely opened the space to like talk about it with my team and like explain to them how it is sometimes. But um, I don't know, maybe make them a little bit more understanding
0: mm-hmm.
1: of what does happen, unfortunately, sometimes.
0: And I think um, just you know, again, speaking for myself primarily, uh, but also. You know, the, the rest of the no laying up guys uh, were aware on some level that, yes, you know, racism exists in this country. But um, I, I think, like a lot of people, the last couple of weeks have opened up a space to learn and um, try to understand. It's not like that that thought or, or that understanding that, yes, racism racism exists. Um inequality exists. It's, it's not a theoretical statement. It's, it's more of a, you know, this is, this is real life. This is prevalent. Um, I I think that's, what's been really beneficial for us. Um, And so my, my question, and I'm not, it's, it's, it's an unfair question in the sense that, you know, certainly you're, you don't, you're not expected to have the answer uh, but I am curious your thoughts uh, I, you know we've we've spent a, a good deal of time thinking about my question will be twofold you know a, a company like ours and you know we're we're in the golf world right so that, so that's primarily where our platform is and and where we can make a difference as a company um, I, 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 we're just struggling with this feeling of well how can we Right? How how can we help? What what are I, I think I, I think understanding and acknowledging are vital, but then it has to w- without correlating into action. Uh, you know, it, I, I think it ultimately um, any efforts will come up short without action. So I, my my long-winded question is. What would you say to a company like us? Um, how can we help? How can we be part of this conversation? How, how can we take action um, to to make you know not only the golf world uh, better, more diverse, more understanding? Uh, but then you know, folks listening, I'm sure they're everybody's feeling that like, oh my gosh, like what what can I do? I
1: think to kind of like start off this conversation it's been really interesting to have this like dialogue with just anybody really and especially with um a lot of my other like um black or african-american counterparts especially the ones that play um my friends and stuff because it's for whatever reason it's only, it felt like this is the first time where it hasn't felt so, for lack of a better term, political to bring up these issues. Like, people are just looking at them as it's like, this is just an issue, not this is one way or another. Um, so it's been an easier space to talk about it and bring it up. Um, from there, it's been, I think when anyone is trying to figure out how to, how to solve the problem or like how to help solve a problem, I think, um, one of the big things is having people from any, I feel like think anyone like on available to like tell their story. So I think like you guys having me on the show and I hope that you continue to have guests that have, um, Really, stories from any walk of life that kind of open people's eyes to different circumstances within this country and um, help people help to educate people. So I think when you think of why George Floyd and like this death has really um, helped change the narrative in this country, I think one. Uh, It's a bit of a perfect storm because people have... I've been joking around with my my mom like, oh, people have a lot of time. Like Before the George Floyd thing happened, I'm just like, you know, people are doing things and they're getting in trouble for them instantly because people just have time. They're on their phones. They're sitting at home. They're watching more news probably because they want to know about the pandemic or the economy. People are just taking in information, I think, at a higher rate than before. Um, And so when the George Floyd video did come out, I don't think anyone's ever definitely, I don't think they've had the time to sit down and watch a video go on for nine minutes and watch someone, um, sadly pass away. And under those circumstances, um, so I think it really like, it shocks you because I, no one ever really sees anything like that happen to a human being in their lifetime. Um, it's in the same way when I, uh, I don't know how much you know about the Ahmaud Arbery case. when I was talking to my mom and I was like, you know, I don't think that most people have ever seen someone just gunned down in the street like that. Um, these are scenes that we are not normalized to seeing, um, especially in the way that they've been broadcasted. So I think, um, it's been a bit of a perfect storm, but now that people understand, I think the next thing that you have to do is um, be open to educating yourself, asking questions, learning, and then keeping yourself and the people around you accountable for um, to move, like to help fix these issues. So now I think people are aware, um, and I think the big question is okay, how do we change? Um, how do you make a change in this space? And whether it be using your voice, helping other people hear other people's voices and raising up other people's voices, whether it be, um, I don't know. I mean, I I think donating, signing petitions, making phone calls, um, whatever your outlet is that you feel comfortable with trying to help the cause, I think as long as you're continuing to educate yourself, educate the people around you, I think is the right step Mm. forward.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, and I think the, the big thing, I think it starts with right. Having personal standards and being willing and able to, Hold yourself to standards, and those closest to you, in my opinion, a, a vital first step. Um, one of the things, you know, as I'm sure you've been reading and listening, and 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 uh, you know, so in tune to the conversation, uh, one, one of the things that really struck me, uh, just some some simple advice, right? And, and, and I say this as a 36 year old white male. Uh, it, thinking about, okay, what, what can I do in my life? And, and this person's advice was, was very simple, right? Uh, You, you you know, develop a relationship with somebody outside of your socioeconomic um, standing. Right. Uh, Right. And I I think for me, it, it can be as, as simple as maybe, you know maybe you go to a different church maybe you try a new restaurant um i posted on twitter one thing i've been trying to do is you know re- read a book outside your comfort zone right you know seek out a, an author with a voice that you might not otherwise get to and, and i think through that process, those because it feels I, I think, and, and I loved how you said it's like it, this. This shouldn't be a, a partisan issue, right? Like simple, f- equal treatment uh, is, is so fundamental. Um, but but I, I I but going back and forth, you know, it's it's easy to get cynical and. Okay get down the path of like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, things are so systemic and it seems so daunting to make impactful change. Uh, but then on the other hand, it's like if, if everybody kind of takes action um, and, and they can be seemingly small steps, uh, you can't tell me those small steps multiplied by, you know, millions won't have – and produce real change so i no i i, I greatly appreciate uh, you know all, all of those insights and i think it's something that uh, we're going to continue i say we as kind of speaking for for no laying up still is like uh, yeah concentrating on that um you know words without action are, are very hollow so so you know, th- thinking about how, how we can, what we can do and, and how we can do it, um, you know, going forward. Um, yeah. I, I realize I didn't really end that with a question, but if there's anything you want to follow up there. <laughs>
1: um, I know that you had asked about call specifically. Um, and it's so funny because that has been, it has been. I think even more of an interesting topic with golf because golf kind of built on like being exclusive. Um, So I, I think that like at some point you have to look at maybe some of the walls golf has put up um, and decide, do we really need all of this to still like have our sport? get
0: i i that's exactly right i i think um and golf is so right you can't paint golf with a broad brush except that and certainly here in the united states it it has a very deserved reputation for being exclusive um i think the the country club model um Plays a big role in that. Uh, I I think one of the things I've learned and and that's given me a, a ton of hope is you know we do a, a somewhat it's it's somewhat silly but it's it's become our most like heartfelt and earnest series. And in, in another sense, is is this Strapped series where you know it, it started out just picking a city that we would never otherwise think to go to and playing three rounds of public golf. And I will say I am consistently amazed and encouraged by the scenes at, you know, you pick a random public course anywhere in this country and you see all types of people. Um, And I, I have to believe all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, right,
1: and,
0: and I think that's what gives me hope, and and I think for me it's like that's the golf, that that's the golf I love. That's the golf I want to try to highlight. Um, and and to your point, it's like how some of these walls that have that have been built up, you know, I, I do think we need to think about, and yeah, I I'm not sure. I certainly don't have. All the answers, but um, I, I think continuing to, to, to showcase what's what's good about the game, uh, hopefully, you know, can can open people's eyes and and encourage people. But yeah, it's um, it 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 certainly is is interesting. Um, have what what have you? Is there anything you've been reading? recently uh that that you've really enjoyed uh in terms of you know race relations or and and maybe not but has has there been anything that's really stood out to you recently or you know in in your past experience
1: um so i well i read read two books recently um i read the alchemist it's isn't really race relations but i just thought it um was a good book to read on like your way of thinking and the way that you go about life. But, um, I read this, it's a play, um, but I think it's, I guess it's in book form now, but, um, it's Beale Street could talk and it's a movie too. If so I had seen the movie and I was just like, Oh, I'll just read the book and see like if it's any different. Um, but it's interesting in the sense that it tells a story with like, an underlying tone of um, of race relations within the U.S. Um, and so, though it's there, it's not. It it shows what happens when things go wrong. I guess. Um, so it's kind of, a, I guess, a different look into what happens within the system, but also what happens. Outside to the families because the system fails people. Yeah, um, so it's just a different look. Um, but yeah, I think that was really interesting. Um, but I've also read a lot of like I'm, I'm, cooking books these days because I got into sourdough. So <laughs> yeah. um, I've kind of been everywhere.
0: Yeah. Um. So so you've had a lot of time to cook then recently, huh?
1: Yeah, I kind of, like, when this all started, I was like, well, everything that I'm always screenshotting, I've always thought this would be fun to try, I was like, I'll go ahead and maybe try a few things. So, I at first, I started the sourdough sweater because I was like, it will give me something that I have to um, I kind guess, of take care of every day for, like, a week and a half because you have to, like, feed it, quite, like, every day, I think um for that first week and a half and then I was like but then it gives me something to do something to look forward to so yeah I started that and then I've just been trying to use it to bake different things my brother's a big baker so we've kind of been like exchanging recipes so it's been I guess nice to keep my head um busy
0: yeah Um, well, why don't we, why don't we, uh, this is, I've, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, when is the Symmetra tour somewhat firm in terms of getting back, uh, getting back to action?
1: I think, I think we're supposed to start at the, like last week of July, last time I heard.
0: I haven't
1: heard anything that would change that.
0: Well, Best of luck, obviously, uh, uh, with with getting back to to golf and, and the Symmetra Tour, and I really, really, really appreciate, uh, you know, not only your time, but, but you know, obviously your point of view and, and sharing your experiences and, and your whole story. Um, so, th- thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for having me, and I guess I hope we keep in touch, and
0: for
1: that draw. Hey. I told him, straight drop this and zip lock that. Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap. I remember nights. I didn't remember nights. I damn near went crazy. I had to get it right favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Hey. now i'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper (laughs) the absolute truth yeah no joke who me i